Psalm chapter 107, verses 1 through 9. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. A notice appeared in the window of a coat store in Nottingham, England. And this is what was written on the notice. We've been established for over 100 years and have been pleasing and displeasing customers ever since. We have made money and lost money, suffered the effects of coal nationalization, coal rationing, government control, and bad payers. We've been cussed and discussed, messed about, lied to, held up, robbed, and swindled. The only reason we stay in business is to see what happens next. (laughs) As most of you already know, I mean, life has a lot of ups and downs, twists and turns. The writer of Ecclesiastes described it like this, says, as fish are caught in a cruel net and birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. In the midst of our troubles, however, there are blessings. In fact, some blessings are described or are depicted as or disguised as, I should say, troubles. If we'll just take time, we can see those blessings if we'll just take time to think about them. Thanksgiving is a holiday that reminds you to reflect on your blessings and and express thanks to God for what He has given to you and done for you over the past year or longer. And for that reason, I I think it's one of the more important holidays. And I'm sure most of you don't wait for Thanksgiving, hopefully, to to thank God for your blessings. But Thanksgiving kind of helps to remind us, even if it is, you know, just once a year. And as most of you have experienced, you know, some years are better than others. And maybe this year didn't quite go the way you had hoped. But if you just take time to reflect on it, there are blessings for which you can be thankful. A grouchy young man was confronted by his minister for being so negative during the Thanksgiving season. And the young man uh, responded, Preacher, what do I have to be thankful for? I can't even pay all of my bills. And the minister thought for a minute and and replied, Well, in that case, you could be thankful that you aren't one of your creditors. (laughs) There's always something for which to be thankful in just about every circumstance. Uh, One morning, a terrible snowstorm occurred and And Susan was outside shoveling her driveway, and she stopped to wave hello to her neighbor who asked her why her husband wasn't out there helping her with the shoveling. 
And she explained, well, that one of them had to stay inside to, to take care of the children. So they drew straws to see who would go out and shovel. And neighbor said, well, you know, I'm sorry about your bad luck. She said, don't, don't be sorry, I won. <laughs> if you read Acts 17, the Jews in Thessalonica were very active in their opposition to Paul and, and his teaching about Jesus. And yet Paul instructed the Thessalonians to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now he didn't say give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. Psalm 107 is, uh, is one of a number of psalms of thanksgiving. And in this psalm, the author, who is more than likely David, highlights some specific reasons for us to offer up thanks to God. And so if you can't think of anything for which to give thanks on Thursday, David is going to give you some reasons this morning. In the first three verses of Psalm 107, David indicates that the redeemed ought to thank the Lord for two reasons. The first reason, according to verse 1, is because God is good. And if you don't think that's important, try to imagine what life would be like if God were not good. In order to do that, all you'd really have to do is to think about hell. Because that will be a place where there will be nothing good. Because God won't be there. All the evil that goes on in this world results from a being in whom there is nothing good. And if God were not good, there would be absolutely no good in this world. So the fact that God is good is really good. This life would be not worth living if God were not good. And reason number two uh, that the redeemed should thank God, according to David, is the fact that God's steadfast love endures forever. God's love for you is constant. You know, there's nothing so horrible that you can do to cause God not to love you because God's love is not conditioned on what you do. And that's so unlike human beings, right? The love between two people can be damaged and even destroyed because of what one party says does or, or doesn't do or doesn't say to the other. In other words, human love is more often than not conditional. If you treat me the way I expect you to treat me, well, I'll love you. But if you don't, I won't. Many relationships, because of the hurt and the pain inflicted by, by one on the other, can, can become irreconcilable. But that is never true with God. You can turn away from God. You can sin grievously against God. But God will continue to love you and pursue you until the day you die. Because His love for you endures forever. And you know why? Because God is love. 1 John 4, 8. He's the embodiment of love. He's the definition of love. In fact, he, it is impossible for God not to love. Paul wrote in Romans 8 that there is nothing that can separate you from God's love because there is nothing that separates God and love. As long as God is in existence, so is love. And what a blessing it is 
To know that, that no, no matter how many sins you commit, no matter how egregious they are, God will still love you and welcome you back when you turn to Him. Because He never stops loving you. And you can't say that about anyone else. Someone once said, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. God's love for you is expressed every day through His generosity. The goodness and love of God are two reasons for which you should give thanks uh, this Thanksgiving. In verses 4 through uh, 32, David reveals four different groups of people who ought to give thanks to God. In verses 4 through 9, David described a people who were wandering in the desert who became faint because of a lack of food and water. And more than likely, he's, he's describing you know, the Jews who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And in verse 6, David indicates that they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress, according to verse 9. Satisfying the thirsty and filling the hungry with good things. God is the one who gave the Jews water from the rock. He gave the Jews manna and quail in the desert. Those were miraculous examples of what God does for you every single day. And that's a reminder that God is the one who feeds you. God is your deliverer, your rescuer. He is the one who feeds you. He's the one who provides for you. Through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 50, verses 2 and 3, God said to Israel, who had rejected him, Was my arm too short to deliver you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? By a mere rebuke, I dry up the sea. I turn rivers into a desert. In other words, why would you people reject me? The God who satisfies your hunger and thirst, who, who rescues you when you're in trouble. Verse 8, let them give thanks for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. So when you are filled with good things on Thursday, remember who to thank. In verses 10 through 16, David describes a second group of people who owe thanks to God. And he described people who had rebelled against God. And paid a heavy price for it. It says they ended up in dark, damp prisons, shackled in iron chains. They were subjected to forced labor. And in verse 13 it reads, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and broke away their chains. You know, a lot of people don't... uh, pay much attention to God until their life takes a turn for the worse. And then they find themselves in a, in a hopeless situation, a situation they never imagined. An atheist was spending a quiet day fishing when suddenly his boat was attacked by the Loch Ness Monster. And in one easy flip, the beast tossed him and the boat high into the air, and then it opened its mouth to swallow both of them. And as the man sailed head over heels, he cried out, Oh God, help me! And at once the ferocious attack scene froze in place. And as the atheist hung there in midair, a booming voice came down from the cloud saying, I thought you didn't believe in me. And the man responded, Come on, God, 
give me a break. I didn't believe in the Loch Ness Monster either. <laughs> All men and women at some point rebel against God. I mean, sin is rebellion. And it results in your separation from God, which is why reconciliation with God is so critical. There's always a price to pay when you rebel against God. Uh, some sins can be so serious that you can end up paying an extremely high price. We make a lot of mistakes in life. Make a lot of wrong choices. Sometimes we speak or act before we think. And sometimes it causes great harm to you and, and, and also others at times. Sometimes you can cause great harm really without even intending to. When, however, you repent and cry out to God, when you go to God, He will deliver you. No matter how much trouble you've gotten into, He will deliver you. No matter how great your sins are, you are never out of reach of God's deliverance. His arm is never too short to save you, as Isaiah said, as he said through Isaiah. Now, that doesn't mean you won't suffer some consequences for your sins. It means that you are never so trapped that God cannot rescue you. You are never out of his reach. You know, fortunately, God is not like you and me. God never holds a grudge. Psalm 103.9 says, He will not harbor his anger forever. God's kind of like the, the father in the parable of the prodigal son. You know, he painfully endures your rebellion and, and, and waits for you to come to your senses and turn back. And when you do, he is there to welcome you back with open arms. David advised the freed prisoners in verse 15 and 16 to give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. In other words, he releases you from your captivity. In verses 17 and 18, David describes a third group who should give thanks to God. He wrote, Some become fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities, their sins. He loathed, they loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. And what comes to my mind in those verses are people who, who get hooked on drugs and, and alcohol or sell their bodies for sex. They abuse their bodies for a temporary pleasure or some kind of financial gain. And, and, and these, these people become victims of their own foolish behavior. Victims of their own sin. You know, you cannot continually mistreat your body and not expect some physical consequences for that. We know also that the mind plays a significant role in regard to the health of the body. You know, if you've experienced depression or anxiety, you know there's a connection between the mind and the body. Pain itself is a function of the mind. You know, when you experience pain, it's because the nerve, wherever it is, is sending a message to your brain. We also know that sin originates in the mind. You know, this is the reason why Paul wrote in Romans 8, 6, The mind governed by the flesh is death. 
But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that all righteous people are healthier than unrighteous people. But, th- but those who understand that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit are less likely to abuse their body in the ways that I, I just uh, reviewed. And so what David is, is revealing, actually what God is revealing through David, is that no matter how severe your afflictions are, physical or mental, God can deliver you. And, and David points out that God did. Verse 20 reads, he healed them and rescued them from the grave. Church I served in, in Kansas City uh, a few years ago, before I came here, had a prayer list. They would publish a prayer list every week in the bulletin, kind of similar to the one we have in our bulletin. And I was curious about the outcome of the people whose names had appeared on that list and then were taken off. And so I decided to do a little survey to find out the results of of the church's prayers for those people. So I went back and looked through like almost a year's worth of, of bulletins. And I discovered that the percentage of people we removed from the list because their prayers had been answered was in the high 90s. You know, you don't you don't think about that until you just really look at it and study it. I mean, should we be surprised? No. Should we be encouraged? <laughs> yes. Should God be thanked? Absolutely. God delivers the hungry, releases the imprisoned, heals the afflicted. Let us give thanks for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. In verses 23 through 32, David describes a fourth group of people God delivers. They are sailors who are in peril on the seas. Verse 26, David indicates that their courage melted away. And in verse 27, they were at their wit's end. In other words, they had tried everything and didn't know what else to do. And so they decided, let's try crying out to God. Now, isn't that often what you do? I mean, instead of turning to God first, (laughs) he often is the last resort. You know, really, God should be your first resort, not your last. We're continually reminded of the power of God through all these natural disasters that occur. And there are many hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, floods, earthquakes, Volcanoes, lightning, avalanches, wild animals, pestilence, disease, and driving on 270 during rush hour. All the results, except maybe that last one, sin in the garden. And most of those are unpredictable. There's, a, uh, there's a, an earthquake fault line just north of, of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, called the New Madrid Fault. And when we lived in Memphis between 88 and 94, uh, scientists at that time, or, or whoever, uh, geologists maybe, predicted that the conditions were ripe for a major earthquake at that location. And so the local authorities, you know, on the news and everything, they were advising you how to prepare for it. And, and in Memphis homes don't have basements. Uh, so uh, they inc- instructed families to prepare this like box of supplies, like water bottles and, and uh, band-aids and gauze pads and a blanket and, and a number of other things, and to store that box somewhere downstairs in a closet or something 
uh, where you might go in, in the case uh, of an earthquake. Flashlights and batteries were included in that. They even suggested that you, if you have any shelving units, freestanding shelving units in your house, that you might want to bolt them like to the wall so that it doesn't, they don't fall over. When you... They never did have an earthquake, but um, in fact, I think when, the last time an earthquake the f- occurred there was back at last year sometime. It was a very mild one. You know, we, we try to predict these kinds of calamities, and sometimes we're successful, but, but more often than not, they strike without warning. And so, so typically, you're, you're not very well prepared when they strike. All of you, at one time or another, have or will experience the effects of, of one of these calamities. They, they are life-threatening, and they can be very frightening. And it's during those kinds of events that you realize just how powerless you are in this world. And how badly you need a deliverer. David indicates that the sailors cried out to the Lord. When they were at their wit's end, they just turned to the Lord. And he brought them out of their distress and guided them to their desired haven. Most of you have been delivered safely from your distress. Many of you, maybe more than once. Because God is able to deliver you. Verse 31, let us give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. In the last section of this psalm, David describes God's dominion over his creation. You know, God has power over nature, and he begins in verse 33, turns rivers into desert. He can turn deserts into pools of water. In other words, God can make a barren land inhabitable and a fruitful land uninhabitable. Verses 39 through 43, God also has dominion over people. He can increase populations and decrease populations. He can make the poor rich and he can make the rich poor. He can humble the arrogant and exalt the lowly. So no matter in what situation you might find yourself, God can change it. He can rescue you from it. There is a hymn we sometimes sing. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. So no matter how bleak or impossible your situation may seem or be, God has the power to change it. He can deliver you from that if you'll turn to him. God took Saul a man who was persecuting the church, going out finding Christians and throwing them into prison, into Paul, the man who built up the church all over Europe and Asia. Never doubt for a second what God can and will do in your life. So this Thanksgiving season is upon us. For what should we thank God? How about thanking God for God? Thank God because He's good. His steadfast love endures forever. Thank God for sending His Son to rescue you from sin and death. Thank God for rescuing you and filling your life with countless blessings. Try that this Thursday. Give God the thanks. Give God the praise. Because He deserves it. If you believe in Jesus but have never obeyed the gospel... 
by being baptized into Christ and confessing your faith. I give you that opportunity to do that this morning. Jesus said in Mark 16 that those who believe and are baptized will be saved. Those who do not believe will be condemned. If you've drifted away or you feel like you're, he's far away from you, he, he's waiting for you. He's there. He longs to deliver you. If we can assist you with that today, uh, let us know. Because as, as Mark leads us in this song here uh, at this time, it's an opportunity for you to respond and come to the deliverer who's ready to deliver you. Let's stand and sing.